We are kicking off a new series this week, so give a warm welcome to Andrew Hudson. Thanks, Vicki. I got a woo. That's awesome. It's good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, like Vicki said, we are starting off a new series that we're calling Unwrapped, where we're going to be taking a look at spiritual gifts uh, and what the Bible calls spiritual gifts. And I'm really, really excited about this topic. Um, I know for some of you, uh, when I say that phrase, spiritual gifts, that might bring up excitement. Like, yes, that's, that's great. Let's, let's talk about this stuff. For others of you, that might bring up a little bit of nervousness. Like, what are you going to ask me to do? Right? And then for others, you're probably thinking, I don't really know what you're talking about. So I'm completely indifferent right now. I have no idea. But we look at spiritual gifts, depending on your church background, if, you, if you've been in the vineyard for a long time, if you are part of a different church growing up, or if maybe you're just a new Christian, there's lots of different perspectives on spiritual gifts. Uh, some, historically, some churches have elevated certain gifts uh, to be maybe being more important than others. Some have taught that some of the gifts are maybe inactive today or we don't see them as much as we used to see them maybe back in the New Testament. But the New Testament writers, Peter and Paul, they address spiritual gifts as basically as something uh, that is essential and expected to some degree, to some level, of all Christian experience. That spiritual gifts is something that we can all expect to experience. And so, and by what I, when I say a spiritual gift, here's what I mean by that definition-wise. A spiritual gift is a God-given special ability given to a believer by the Holy Spirit to share God's love and to benefit the body of Christ. So it's a God-given special ability given to a believer by the Holy Spirit to share God's love and benefit the body of Christ. And traditionally, there are about five passages in the New Testament that people look at to say, hey, these are like lists of spiritual gifts or certain examples of spiritual gifts. If you want to go ahead and put up that chart, uh, these are the five passages. You all have about 30 seconds, and then there's going to be a test. Um, no, just kidding. No, we're not going to dive into all of these super specific. I just wanted to give you kind of like an overview of, of, of recognizing, hey, these are what kind of get mentioned in the, in the New Testament. You'll notice that some of them are mentioned more than once or are repeated. Some of them could be arguably synonyms for each other. So depending on who you're talking to, a lot of scholars will say there's somewhere between 15 to 22 different spiritual gifts that are listed in the New Testament. But never once, never once is it mentioned in the Bible that these lists are exhaustive meaning like this is it. This is all there possibly could be. Never once is that mentioned. In fact, you could argue, if you look in other parts of the Bible in the New Testament, if you argue, you could look in the Old Testament and you could say, well, that looks like a spiritual gift and that looks like a spiritual gift as well. For example, we read in Exodus 31, there's a story where, where the Holy Spirit comes and empowers and gifts uh, uh, two men the gift of artisanship or the gift of craftsmanship to build the ark, or the ark of the covenant. You, and Judges, um, Judges 14, I believe, there's the story of Samson. Remember Samson? And he's given the, the spiritual gift of supernatural strength. And I have been waiting for that gift for a long time, Lord, but he doesn't seem to be giving it to me. But, uh, but so there's lots more than just, we could argue that there's lots more than even those, that, that God is much bigger and much vaster than how we can categorize him and put him in a box. But over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be focusing primarily on exploring the gifts mentioned 
in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Uh, and so I want to read that passage to you. Actually, I'm going to just go back a little bit and start in verse 4. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, starting in verse 4, it says this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them, in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits or discernment. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these work for of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now, in this passage, there are nine, nine spiritual gifts that happen to be listed uh, in this passage, and we're going to be looking at those over the next number of weeks, and we're going to kind of categorize them in these three different categories. We're going to kind of consider them, just because it's helpful to kind of see similarities and differences, as the eyes of God, the mouth of God and the hands of God, the eyes of God, the way, the way that God sees, being able to see the way that God sees, having wisdom and seeing into, you know, and having knowledge and discernment about things, having the mouth of God, what does God want to say? You know, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and then the hands of God, the touch of God, the, the healing power of God, miracles and, and faith of God. So, so we're going to kind of dive deeper into those in the coming weeks. But before we do that today, today we want to first understand the overall heart of God. Before we can understand the eyes, mouth, and hands of God, we need to understand the overall heart of God when it comes to spiritual gifts. So what is the heart of God when it comes to spiritual gifts? What does he want us to understand about them? Well, the first thing is that he does not want us to be uninformed. He does not want us to be uninformed. In 1 Corinthians 12, 1, Paul says this. He says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Paul does not want a single Christian, he doesn't want a single follower of Jesus to miss out on unwrapping the spiritual gifts that he has given you and me. He doesn't want us to miss out. He doesn't want us to go through and not understand understand them and doesn't and not understand how they work because if we're not aware of how God might want to empower us and the possible ways he might want to use us then we are missing out on a major part of his plan for you and I we're missing out on a major part of how he wants to partner with you and I if we don't make space to talk about spiritual gifts to learn about these things then how do we know what to look for right how do we know what to expect? Take prophecy, for example. If we don't learn examples of how God prophetically speaks to people by reading stories in the scriptures and seeing how that, what that looks like, by talking to other people uh, and hearing how they hear from God, then how would we know if we've ever heard from God, right? We have to, we have to be able to uh, study the scriptures and be able to uh, talk to other people so we are not un informed. I remember a number of years ago, I had a friend of mine back uh, when I was in college, her name was Patty, and she kind of took me under her wing as being kind of a spiritual mentor to me, 
I had grown up going to church, but, but she kind of had a huge impact in my walk with the Lord for a season. And we read, she invited me to read the book, Purpose Driven Life. Anybody remember, how many of you remember the book? Purpose, a number of you remember reading that book? Or anybody, famous book, really excellent book by Rick Warren. Highly recommend it. Changed the way I see myself in God's eyes and just really in my walk with him. But as we were reading that book, I remember we got together one, one time and we had talked about a chapter. And she said, why don't we pray together after this chapter? Now, I grew up going to church. So that, that was totally fine. I was, I was totally comfortable with praying. And so we just kind of, she invited God and we just kind of sat in silence for a little bit. And then, then all of a sudden, she just started talking in what I thought was total gibberish total like nonsense words started coming out of her mouth. Should have bought a Honda, what about a Kia? Should have bought a Honda, what about a Kia? And I thought, what is going on right now? And why are we talking about what kind of car I should buy? Hondas and Kias, I don't get it. What is going on? And I was like in total shock, total shock. It was the first time I had ever heard somebody speak in tongues. Never heard that in my entire life, going to church or growing up. Never heard that. And I had made the assumption up until that point, I had made the assumption that that gift no longer existed, that it wasn't expressed anymore since like the time of the, the disciples and the apostles, or if it was, it was fake. I had, it was fake. It was somebody just doing it for attention or just making it up. I had never met a person that I trusted, somebody that I, I watched have an authentic relationship with Jesus and walking out speak in tongues before. I'd never experienced that before. I, it was like this wow experience for me. I'd never experienced that in any kind of capacity. And I had so many questions. I don't have a clue what the chapter was about that we were talking about. I don't remember that at all. But I remember having so many questions and asking, what is it like? And how did you, like, how do you do that? And, and all these things. I had to learn so much about it. God did not, does not want us to be uninformed about the spiritual gifts. He wants us to learn about them uh, so that we can potentially experience some of them as well. And just as a side note, my wife and I, we do happen to drive uh, two Hondas now. So it was prophetic. Um, no, not really. But, uh, so God's heart is, is that he doesn't want us to be uninformed, but he, he also wants us to understand that they're not the same things as natural talents. Spiritual gifts are not the same things as natural talents. You could be a skilled musician, a skilled surgeon, a skilled doctor, a skilled manager, but those things are not in and of themselves uh, examples of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are either humanly impossible, like miracles, okay, or they enhance a natural talent like teaching that goes beyond our human ability. So for example, uh, many of you know this, but for a dozen years, I was a school teacher before I became a pastor. And so during those 12 years or so, I became really oh, pretty good at teaching. I think I did, at least. Uh, and I grew in my natural ability as a teacher. And as I began to preach and, and become more involved here, I, I was able to kind of put things together and make concise this, you know, arguments or make, explain things in a way so people could understand them. But there's a difference between that and, this, and the spiritual gift of teaching. There's a difference. And I know there are times where I'm explaining something or I'm writing a sermon or planning something and it's kind of in my own natural ability. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit will kick in. And all of a sudden, there's, there's a weight on the words that I'm saying that, that is not for me. 
There is a power on the way I am saying something that is not from me. There, there is, God will put thoughts in my mind that were not there or use me to explain something to somebody in a way that they've, it's, ne- it's like light bulbs going off and there's a power to it that is not from me. So that's an example of what it might look like to enhance something that's a natural talent. God will often use our natural talents as launching pads for expressing our spiritual gifts, uh, but they go beyond that ability, sometimes in spite of our lack of natural talents. Um, Next, uh, God's heart is that we would understand that these gifts are meant to be regularly expressed, that they're not supposed to be rare, extreme things that we only see once in a blue moon, but that the spiritual gifts are things that we should see regularly uh, blessing and building up the church family. In Paul's letters, we see very clear that, clearly that in the churches that he planted, that he often spent a lot of time talking about spiritual gifts to these new Christians. He wanted these new followers of Jesus to understand and to practice spiritual gifts in healthy ways in their regular gatherings of worship, in their homes, in their one-on-one conversations with each other. And it was meant to be a regular thing that they experienced. But often historically, historically the greater church has not always explained and trained and created time and space for the Holy Spirit to move in all of these different ways. It seems that there are definitely gifts that are easier for us to wrap our brains around, right? Uh, To understand. And so we, we tend to naturally kind of give more time and space to those. And the ones that maybe are a little bit more mysterious a little bit more, uh, maybe we're just not as informed about, we tend to shy away from those a little bit more often. But we should not limit our expectation of what's the, of the many spiritual gifts that God might want to express to maybe only one weekend a month where we're talking about spiritual gifts or, or during a season of revival. It is intended to be a regular experience of the Christian life some level or to some degree. And I think here at the Vineyard, I think we do a fairly good job of making space for spiritual gifts, you know, people coming up and giving words, uh, praying for healing. But I recognize that, hey, there's always room to grow. And part of our reason and and hope during this series is that we are going to be making some time and space for God to maybe grow us and stretch us in some of these ways. God's heart towards spiritual gifts is is all of these things, but it's also so that it, we don't believe that it's, it's for not, it's not only for the elite. I said that kind of funny. It's not only for the elite. It's for everyone. Look what it says in 1 Peter 4.10. It says this, God has given each one of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Each one of you. Use them well to serve one another. God has spiritual gifts for each and every Christian. Each and every one. Last weekend, if you were here, Michael uh, gave the sermon, and at the end, he had a prophetic word that he said, I feel like there's going to be two or three people at each service, at least, who are going to come up and, and give a word. And sure enough, we had two or three people. Some, I think one, week, one service, we had like five or six people come up uh, every single service and give a really encouraging word to, to the rest of us. And what caught my attention about that was the diversity of people who came up to give words. The diversity of people. We had, we had somebody who was um, on our advisory council come up and give a word. And we had somebody who was, had, I think, been here like a, two or three times come up and give a word. 
We had somebody who was a very mature Christian. They had been leading small groups for years, come up and give a word. We had a 10-year-old boy come up and give a word, and it was powerful. It was awesome. And so what does that say? What does that say? Well, it says what we say in the vineyard all the time. It says everyone gets to play, right? Everyone gets to play. That God has gifted each and every follower with spiritual gifts, and he wants everyone to get in on it and to play, that nobody gets left out. Um, Everybody gets at least one spiritual gift, but not all the spiritual gifts. Everybody gets at least one, but not all. Again, 1 Peter 4.10, each one of you has at least one spiritual gift, but no one gets all the gifts because the heart of God is that we would be interdependent upon each other, that that we would need each other, that we would have to rely on each other. It is definitely not a coincidence at all that immediately the section that we read in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, ending off in verse 11, that the next section right after that is Paul's famous part where he talks about how we are all one body in Christ, but many parts. One body, but many parts, and we need each other. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, and the hand can't say to the eye, I don't need you. We all need each other. And then Paul ends that chapter, or ends that section, he goes right back And verse 29 to this, and he says this, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not, he says, of course not. Of course not. God's heart is that we understand that he is the gift giver and we don't get to open up every single gift under the Christmas tree. That he has specific gifts with our name on it under the tree, but not all of them are for us. Some of them are for our brothers and sisters. That he doesn't play favorites and that he has different gifts for all of us, but he wants us to, to learn to be dependent on each other. That means that there are gonna, we're, we are going to, each and every one of us is going to see other people be used in different ways and we're not going to be used in that way. We're going to have to watch them be used in ways that maybe we would think that would be pretty cool, but we're never going to experience all of the spiritual gifts because God wants us to to rely on each other. And we're going to talk more about that later in the series, so I'm going to kind of move on. But the last thing I want to say about what are spiritual gifts and what's God's heart for spiritual gifts is that they are grace gifts. They are grace gifts. Let me explain. There are various words used to talk about spiritual gifts in the Bible, and one of those words One of those words is the Greek word charisma. Charisma. And it means so much more than charm or personality. In the Greek, it means a gift freely given. A gift freely given. It comes from the word charis, which means grace. It's a grace gift. It's a gift of grace. So to be a Christian means that we are all meant to be charismatic Christians. Because we are all recipients of the greatest grace gift of all, the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection. But not only that, we are also given spiritual gifts that God has given us that he wants to learn, he wants to teach us how to partner with the Holy Spirit and and experiencing little gracelets, little droplets of grace and spreading those little gracelets around and around the world. Look at this quote. I love this quote. A chrism is what might be called a gracelet, a droplet in the vast ocean of God's grace. It is a tangible expression 
of God's grace in a person's life in the form of a capacity to act in a way that surpasses human power. I love that image, a gracelet. A little droplet in the huge ocean of God's grace that's tangible and beyond human ability. That's what we as Christians get to spread, little droplets of grace. We get to unwrap and utilize spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit that he gives us. And God's spiritual gifts, they're so vast, they're so wide, it's like a giant ocean. We could never even begin to fathom or tap into all of it. Just little gracelets uh, as, as, as what we can experience. Now, let me end with this, uh, this story. As, a, as tradition, right, we typically get uh, gifts on our birthdays, right? So my birthday happens to be on Thursday, so if you're looking to get me something. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but... Um, but on my 18th birthday, when I turned 18, my parents wanted to give me a surprise special gift. They thought, they thought let's, let's do something really, really cool. Um, so they came into my room at 7 in the morning and shook me awake and said, you got to get up, you got to get up right now. We have a special surprise gift for you. And I thought, hey, this is my birthday, and my first birthday wish is not to be woken up at 7 a.m. I mean, I'm an 18-year-old boy. I can hibernate for days at this point, right? And they're waking me up at 7 a.m. And they said, no, you got to get up. Look out the window right now. you got to get up. I think they were like enjoying the torture a little bit. But I went to the window and I looked outside and there was a hot air balloon out in the field across from our house. And they said, we got you a hot air balloon ride. I got to go up in this hot air balloon ride uh, on my 18th birthday. A super cool experience. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was terrified. Uh, I realized my knuckles were just white from gripping the basket, which is not very big, by the way, the whole time. Uh, realized I'm not a big fan of heights at that experience, but it was also super exciting and super thrilling and super wonderful. And we got the, you know, the flames heated up the air and it started to rise. And you get up there and you just kind of go where the wind takes you. And it's so peaceful. It's what's What's really unusual is how eerily quiet it is up there when there's no sounds. You get 2,000 feet in the air and you don't hear anything. Um, but why do I tell you that story? Well, the Greek word that Paul uses in this passage in 1 Corinthians 12 is not the word chrisma. He uses that in other passages. It's actually the word pneumatica or pneumaticon. And it literally means spirituals or spiritual things. When, when Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed about spirituals or spiritual things when it comes to spiritual gifts. But it comes from the word pneuma. The word pneuma meaning spirit, breath, air, and wind. Now when my mom and dad gave me this birthday gift of flying in a hot air balloon, it was exhilarating and terrifying all at the same time. But we would have never gotten off the ground if it wasn't for the air. If it wasn't for the air, we would have never gotten off the ground and we would have never moved in any direction, north, south, east, or west, if it wasn't for the wind. If it wasn't for the wind. And the same is true with spiritual gifts. When we experience a new birth in Jesus, when we are born again in Jesus, we are given gifts, spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit. And we are meant to spend the rest of our lives learning how to unwrap those gifts how to explore those gifts and use those gifts and partner with him. But we have to be willing to get in the basket. Even if it's a little terrifying, 
even if it's a little nerve-wracking. We have to be willing to get in the basket. You know, you may have the gift of prophecy, but if you never open your mouth to speak, you'd never know it. You may have the gift of healing, but if you never take a risk to pray for somebody to be healed, then you'll never know it. God may want to work through you to bring these kinds of things to the world, but, but if you never give it a try, then you'll never know it. And ultimately, you know, it, it's going to take some time to learn how to get the basket off the ground. That's part of it, right? But ultimately, it's up to the wind. It's up to the air to do the work. This is the adventure that God has for us as Christians. This is what he has planned for us uh, and, and learning how to partner with the Holy Spirit uh, and how God has uniquely made all of us. So if the worship team wants to start to make their way up, uh, back up here, this is my hope and prayer for today and for this week and this series, this weekend and this series. Um, my hope and prayer is that you would, each and every one of you, each and every single one of you would, would come to realize the truth that you, you are a gifted son and daughter of God. That you are a gifted son or daughter of God. That he has given you gifts, whether you're aware of it or not. That he loves you so much that he wants to give you good things. That he doesn't play favorites. That nobody gets left out. Nobody gets left behind. That if you are a follower of Jesus, then you are a gifted son or daughter. And, and how, do we, how, do we, how do we experience that? How do we step into that? Well, we do that by not being uninformed, right? We, we do that by learning about the gifts. We do that by trial and error in safe spaces, right? We do that by getting feedback from people and Christians that we, we trust and we care about and who will be encouraging. And we don't, we don't give up or get discouraged or think that, well, if I, can't, if I don't have one spiritual gift, that must mean I don't have any spiritual gifts, right? We keep pressing into it knowing that God has good things uh, for us. So why don't we why don't we stand up?